0: should the shadows fall why should my I know he watches me, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and And I know
1: Can you hear me? Good. I can hear me. That's good enough. All right. Ooh. that's loud. All right. Um, tonight's message, I uh, was kind of stuck thinking about, I had like four different thoughts that came to my mind when a uh, preacher gave me the opportunity to preach, and I couldn't land on which message I was going to preach until about 10.30 last night. So luckily, the message that I'm preaching, I've actually already preached before for a uh, one of my preaching classes in Bible college. So, uh, Brother Cody, if this sounds familiar, you've heard it before. (laughs) It's similar. I changed it a little bit. Um, So take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning in verse 12. I'm going to read through verse 22. The Bible says, And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place and has gone about, and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites." But the people took of the spoil, sheep, and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you just for this message, we thank you just for the opportunity to be here. and Lord, I just thank you that um, for the message you've laid on my heart, and I pray that you would give me the words to say now, Lord, as uh, I've already prepared, I pray that uh, you would just speak through me now, Lord, that you'd move me aside, and that you would work in and through me, Lord, and that you'd ha- help us to have open hearts to your word. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity, and I pray that you just bless us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our passage, we see King Saul being confronted by the prophet Samuel. Uh, Saul has been told by the Lord that he needs to go down to Amalek and completely destroy everything that's there. Nothing was to be left. Not the king, not any of the spoils, not of the, the, the rams, the sheep, nothing was to be left. And so the Lord was aware of what Saul did. And he speaks to Samuel in the middle of the night and says that Saul disobeyed him. And so he's going to take away the kingdom from Saul. And so Samuel goes down to visit Saul and he sees what's taking place. He sees it with his own eyes what Saul has done. He sees that he didn't utterly destroy everything like he was told. Agag was still alive. And that's not what the Lord wanted. They were to be utterly destroyed, the Bible says. Saul thought it would be a good thing to take up the sheep and sacrifice them. He thought maybe I can humiliate Agag in front of everybody and show how great a king I am, that I destroyed the Amalekites. But that's not what God wanted. God wanted him to destroy everything and leave nothing left. Saul thought he knew better than God, and he disobeyed the Lord. And in disobeying the Lord, it brought a few things, a few points I want to talk about. I've uh, titled tonight's message, Lessons Learned from a Law Breaking King. The first thing I want us to notice is in verse 23, the Bible says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. The first thing I want us to notice tonight is that disobedience to the Lord is rebellion, disobedience to God is rebellion. If you think about it, it's not a crazy concept. If you disobey God, you're not doing what he said. You're rebelling against the way he said to go. And he goes on to say rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. If you go through the book of Leviticus, you'll find that witchcraft was a sin that was punishable by death. So rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Our rebellion, our disobedience is just as bad as witchcraft. And as idolatry, the Bible says. And the truth is, it's just as bad as idolatry because you've put yourself above the Lord in that instance. Your disobedience to the Lord means that you think you have a better way, and that's not the case. It never works out for Israel when they think that they know better than the Lord. And you can find that all throughout scriptures. It never works out for them. I think of uh, Korah. Turn to Numbers chapter 16 if you would. Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16, and verse 1, the Bible says, Now Korah, the son of Izhar the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses, with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. That's a rough place to be right, right off the get-go. These, these leaders are putting themselves against the men of God. That's never a place that we want to be. We don't want to be going against the men of God in our lives, our, our pastor, our Sunday school teachers, our, our, our spiritual leaders. That's never a good place to be. But that's where Korah and these men find themselves. The Bible continues on and says, And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face, and he spake unto Korah and unto all his company, saying, even tomorrow the Lord will shew who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him who he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do, take you censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire there, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, ye sons of Levi. Seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation and minister unto them? Moses is saying to them, listen, God's already separated you above everybody else. He's given you an opportunity to be priests for, for the children of Israel, and you're taking it upon yourself to try to elevate yourself more. You're coming against the men of God, and that, that's not a good thing, Cora. And what happens to Cora in the end? And all of his company. The earth splits open and swallows them up whole. Why? Because of their disobedience. Because of their rebellion. And I'm here to tell you tonight, if we have rebellion in our lives, if we have disobedience in our lives, it's not going to bode well for us. Disobedience is rebellion. Disobedience is rebellion. Number two, disobedience brings rejection. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 15. First Samuel 15, the Bible says in verse 26, And Samuel said unto Saul, I will, re- not, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. Disobedience brings rejection. When we have disobedience and rebellion in our lives, there's going to come a point where God says, I've asked you to do this thing, I've asked you to do this, and you won't do it, I'm done. You wanna do your thing your way? Fine, I'll let you do that. You can sit there, but when when you need me, you've been rejected. Now, luckily for us, we still have the opportunity to turn to the Lord. And that's an exciting thing, because for Saul, he didn't have that opportunity. Although Samuel did give it to him. He had that opportunity. And Saul had asked Samuel. He said, turn with me now that the elders may see. He wasn't concerned about God. He wasn't concerned about pleasing the Lord. He was concerned about how others viewed him. And he knew in that moment when Samuel cast him aside and said that the Lord is done with you, that he was going to lose the respect of those around him. And we find out later he did. You think of what takes place with David. David has... Saul has flown his thousands and David his tens of thousands. That's what takes place right after this. Saul's image is diminished because he disobeyed God and so God had to reject him. God rejected him. Is that what we want for ourselves? Do we want God to be done with us? Is there something in our life that we're not doing that the Lord wants us to? That he's asked us to do? but we're not willing to give it up to him. We're not willing to give over that piece of ourselves because it makes me uncomfortable. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not comfortable talking at a door. I'm not comfortable talking in public. I'm not comfortable. And the list goes on. We have excuses for everything of why we can't serve the Lord the, the way that we should. Uh, you don't know my past. Did God ask you to do something? Well, if, if I work this job, I can make more money and give to the Lord. and th- That'll make up for it, right? It, did that work for Saul? Was his sacrifice better than his obedience? No. His sacrifice is not better than his obedience. God wants us to be obedient to him and what he asks us to do. Disobedience brings rejection. I think of uh, Ai in Joshua chapter 7. They're coming up against a city that they should have easily been able to overtake. They shouldn't have had an issue at all with the people in Ai. But there was sin in the camp. There was disobedience. There was rebellion. And as a result of that, people lost their lives. Including the person that was rebellious against the Lord and his family. See, when you disobey God, it's not just you that pays the price. It's everybody else around you. It's your wife. It's your children. It's your parents. You're not the only one affected by your disobedience. I'm not the only one affected by my disobedience. Everybody else around you feels that, and is going to face the consequences for it. And then what? So what do we do? What do we do? What do we do to not be... Rejected of the Lord. Well, what did Achan have to do? What did Israel have to do in that scenario? They removed the sin, right? They repented of the Lord. They removed the sin out and Achan was dealt with. And then they were able to go in to Ai and take it over like they ought to. Disobedience brings rebellion. It brings rejection. And disobedience requires repentance. Saul tried to repent of his sin, but it wasn't true repentance. If you look over, I just quoted a minute ago. If you look over in verse number 30, he says, Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel. I've sinned. Honor me now before the elders of my people. That's not the Lord. He had a chance to repent. And he didn't take it. He said, I want to make sure I'm lifted up in the eyes of these people. That's not... for, for Do we now persuade men or God? He was seeking to please men. He wanted to look good in the eyes of men. And he missed out on his chance at repentance. It wasn't true repentance. The Bible says in... First John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But there has to be true repentance. That means that I'm headed this direction, I'm in my sin, and now I'm looking to the Lord and I'm headed this direction. It doesn't mean that I'm still dabbling over here. It doesn't mean that I get the spoils from AI. It doesn't mean I get the spoils from defeating Amalek. It means I'm done with this. I'm over here now. I'm not looking back on those ways. Because those ways are what put those people in a bad spot. Those, those are the wicked ways that condemned them, that made the Lord angry at them, and made Israel have to smite them because of their sin. But if we're living just like them, then why are we... We're no better than them. What do we have to offer the world if we're just the same as the world? Why would anybody look at Josh Starkey and say, I want to be a Christian because I can see his faith? Can that be said of you? Why would I want to be a Christian when I see him and he does the exact same things I do? He's got nothing special. He's just as angry and upset as everybody else in the world. We have nothing to offer anybody because we're disobedient to God and we're miserable because of it. Disobedience requires repentance. I think of David in 2nd uh, Samuel chapter 12 turn there if you would 2nd Samuel chapter 12 2nd Samuel chapter 12 and in verse 1 the Bible says and the Lord sent Nathan unto David and he came mm-hmm. unto him and said unto him there were two men in one city the one rich and the other poor the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord of God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah, And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. David disobeyed the Lord. He wasn't where he should have been. He he took Uriah's wife, and he then had Uriah killed. And now he has to face the consequences of it. And he realizes right from wrong because Nathan gives him a story of the exact same thing that took place. A few things different. A lamb instead of a wife, but the end result was the same. David said that he needed to be slain. And Nathan said, thou art the man. What do you think Saul's response would have been? He would have tried to cover his sin himself. What does David do? He recognizes what he does, and he repents of his sin. He changes, and the Lord deals with him appropriately. Not to say that he didn't have consequences, because he faced consequences. You just look at what all of his family dealt with, all of his children dealt with, and that's all a result of his sin. But he didn't lose God's anointing on his life. He didn't lose the Holy Spirit. Acts calls him the man after God's own heart. Why is that? Because he had a true heart of repentance. And if we're gonna do something for the Lord, if we wanna see God do something in our lives, we have to turn from our sin. We have to turn from our disobedience and turn directly to God. I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know what the Lord's working with you on. Maybe, maybe it's soul-winning. Maybe he says you need to be out soul-winning. He does say that. He says that we ought to be witnesses. Acts 1.8 says that ye shall be witnesses. Right, so are you a good witness or are you a bad witness? That's all dependent upon your obedience. Are we serving the Lord like we ought to? Or are we telling others about him like we ought to? If we're not doing that, then we're disobeying God, we're being rebellious. Even the smallest things. How's your walk with the Lord? Are you in your Bibles? Are you studying? Am I studying? Do we know the Bible like we ought to? 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Are we studying the word of God so that when we're out soul winning and somebody asks us a hard question, we can answer them? Can we? If a Jehovah Witness tries to say that Jesus Christ isn't God, do we have scripture to back that up? Can you prove that Jesus Christ is God the Father? Or, I'm sorry, God the Son? Can you prove that? Do you have scripture to back that up? We should be able to. We call ourselves Christians. Joshua 1.8 says that we're supposed to keep this book and meditate on it. We're supposed to think about the things in this book. Are we doing that? Just the basic things. Rebellion doesn't have to be this big drawn out thing. It's the little things that get us. The devil doesn't deal with us in big ways. They're always subtle. He gets us in the subtle ways, because he knows we know right from wrong, but it's just those little gray areas that we can justify in our minds. Well, I I don't need to go out soul winning this week. I went out last week, and, well, I, I didn't get to talk to anybody anyway, so why do I need to go? I didn't make a difference. Is that what God says? Go because you're supposed to make a difference? Go until, because we're supposed to see people saved, or go because we have the message and we're supposed to warn people of what's coming? We're not very good watchmen if we're not warning the people. That's disobedience. How's your prayer life? The Bible says to pray without ceasing. And I don't think there's any person that prays like they ought to. Amen. I know there's not. I, uh, I read a while back, D.L. Moody, I want to read this properly. I don't want to mess it up. D.L. Moody Said at one point in his life, he said, The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to Him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. The world has yet to see what God can do. We're talking about D.L. Moody, who lived in the days of Charles Spurgeon, who saw thousands of souls saved in their lifetime. We're excited because we see a couple saved each week, just in our church, not even in our own lives. But D.L. Moody said that he hasn't even seen what a man fully consecrated to God can do. And he was aware that he'd probably never be that man, but he wanted to aim to be at least. Is that, our, is, is that our heart? Because if that's our heart, then we have to remove the disobedience in our life. What does God want you to do that you're not willing to give up? What does He want you to do that's too uncomfortable for you? To make the choice not to listen to the Lord. It's disobedience. It's rebellion. We can't live that way. It's a miserable way to live. I know it to be true. I spent two years before I was able to go to Bible college when I knew I should have been there. I was miserable. I was depressed. I don't... I don't I didn't want to be around. I don't want to be around people. I'd sit there every day in my bed, upset, Because I was supposed to be doing something for the Lord, and I wasn't. Are you miserable today in your Christian life? I was. I can be at times when I'm not obedient to the Lord. Are we fully sold out to the Lord? Are we getting a hold of him like we ought to? Because if we really were, we'd be seeing a lot more take place we'd be able to turn our city upside down. We'd be able to have a revival in our city. We'd be able to have a revival in our church, see people excited to serve the Lord, excited to give their lives to the Lord, but we don't give our lives. I don't give my life. Come work a job, go home, spend time with family. I put my time in. A couple years ago I had the opportunity to go to the Philippines. You want to see a sold out people, the people in the Philippines are sold out. They're getting a couple hours of sleep each day, going out soul winning every single day, doing everything they can. Their lives are the ministry and that's just the layman. They're doing everything they can to see souls saved on a regular basis. Everything they can to help others grow and that's not our heart. We're too worried about about number one, about myself, my family, making sure that I'm taken care of, making sure that I have everything I need, making sure that I have a nice house, I have a nice car, I have all these nice things in life so I can be what? Comfortable? For how long? How long will you be comfortable? 30, 40 years? And then what? You get to heaven and you realize you have nothing because you wasted the time that you had. supposed to be redeeming the time. Because the days are evil are we redeeming the time are we disobedience is rebellion disobedience brings rejection disobedience requires repentance what in your life are you holding back from the lord what in my life i have to ask myself that all the time Working, getting to be an intern at the church is great, but there's still things I struggle with. Going out on a bus route. Man, I work every day. Get to come in and do soul winning on Saturday, my day off. Get to go out bus visiting. There are times when my heart's not in it. But it should be. I'm an intern at the church. So I know that if if I feel that way from time to time, we all must feel that way from time to time. Right? I mean... Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I, maybe I'm the one that needs to be at the altar tonight. I know I am, actually. What are you dealing with? You know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know anything that's going on in your lives. I know some things, but I don't know what the Lord's speaking to you about. What is it that the Lord wants you to deal with? Let's all stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed. What is it that God wants you to deal with? What is it that He wants you to give to the Lord? As the piano begins to play, won't you come and just give that to the Lord? Maybe you need to renew your fire for the Lord. Maybe you just need to renew your surrender. I have to do that constantly. What is it in your life as the piano plays?